hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Blow Off Valve podcast. Uh, it's a podcast for general automotive and motorsports news, as well as anything else car-related that we might find interesting. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. Um, and this week uh, is going to be kind of the first week uh, of what we're thinking our format will be, which is really getting into kind of interesting automotive news of the week. Uh, and then once Formula One comes back, we'll obviously be talking about Formula One since Tucker and I are both big fans. Um, so there's some really interesting uh, stuff this week that you and I have been kind of sending back and forth. And the first uh, kind of thing we want to talk about, just because, you know, I'm a current BMW owner, you're a past BMW owner, and we both care about the brand, is, is an interesting article that came out. Uh, it was published on the drive, but uh, it was originally from Top Gear magazine who did an interview with BMW's design head, and I'm not sure how to say this name. So yeah, sorry. good luck with that. <laughs> I think it's Demagoge Dukic. And Seems so plausible. Talking, what's that? Seems plausible. Yeah, I mean, that's it's as, probably as, as good as I'm going to get. So um, he sat down to, to speak with them kind of about a lot of the controversy surrounding the, the grill changes, the kidney grill changes, which... I think have been pretty roundly criticized. Is that fair? I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, the kidney grills have been a, an important tradition of BMW design for a long time. And um, I think that a lot of people knew that there might be some changes coming, um, you know, Mm -hmm. with their design language. Cause isn't, isn't he, is he new? Um, Um, I I think he's newer. And he's really pushed, uh, he and one of the other design leads have kind of pushed away from the more horizontally oriented kidneys right. to trying to do a vertically oriented kidney grill, which kind of goes back to like the, the BMW 2002. And yeah, exactly, I was going to say that. I mean, it does have, histor- you know, historical precedent, but right. I think following what a lot of design language has done recently, they just made them enormous. You know, right. Audi single frame grill, um, mm-hmm. pretty much every, you know, truck on the market, the the yeah. grills, you, you know, yeah. for Christ's like sake, Ford think about Toyota, truck. right? I mean, look at, look at the Toyota, like, is it the Avalon? I mean, Toyota, and, and if you think about Toyota's, you know, sister brand, Lexus, I mean, the Lexus yeah. spindle grill has been this just monstrosity. Yeah. For, so if anything, maybe... Uh, to some extent, BMW is a little bit the outlier up until uh, I think we probably knew we were going in this direction when we saw right. the seven, the SUV, the X7 come out. The X7, yeah. I think we knew like well, where we were going. <laughs> and the the problem is like a lot of those things, a lot of the cars you mentioned, you know, the trucks, especially big cars, I think big grills work a little bit better. Right. The problem is when you try and take that down to a smaller vehicle like a three series or four series it becomes Um, a little overwhelming exactly so that's you know that's kind of where this article kind of stemmed from and um just we'll kind of i'll briefly summarize kind of some things he said but he said you know when when asked whether he was surprised by the criticism he said not really i've been in this business for over 20 years you know how it is in design everybody has an opinion that's normal if you want to create something that stands out, it must be distinguished and it must be different. Um, you can create something beautiful. And we also have cars which are just pretty. But there are some customers for that. If you want to reach them, you have to stand out. 
you have to create something that is not in line, maybe not like an everyday car or an everyday product, but that's exactly the reason. Uh, not all our products get the same critics. You can see that on something as polarizing like the kidneys on the 4 Series, 20% of people are liking it. You would think that's a negative, but the way he spins it, he said that fits with the type of customers we are targeting. Not all customers are going for the 4 Series. So it's fair, and that that's fair, but it's a little crazy. I guess at the end of the day, the metric will be how are 4 Series sales doing before this and how are they doing after it? And right. I mean, I guess if they go down a lot, that's probably people voting with their feet. You know, right. if if it stays even, it probably is pointing to his truth. And, and right. certainly if the sales go up, it is attracting yeah. some people. And I, I thought as I read that, for some reason, it went my brain went back and I thought, are they trying to, you know, get the same customers who bought the Pontiac Aztec? <laughs> you know it i'll be honest with you i think this is kind of marketing bs yeah. um, i i think if you ask any bmw executive do you want 20 percent of bmw buyers to want to, to think that the 4 series is a good looking car or do you want 100 percent of bmw buyers to like the look of the 4 series they're going to choose 100 percent every time yeah. you want to create a beautiful car i think right. creating a Creating a, a car that stands out for all the wrong reasons is isn't. I, right, I don't then think you right. That's my point. Then you end up in in the Pontiac Aztec category. Right. So I, I, he's kind of saying that any publicity is good publicity. Right. And I don't think that's true for car design. Yeah. If you're known as one of the ugliest cars on the market, that's not <laughs> a good place to be. So um, I think having seen a four series in person now at our local BMW dealership, I can attest that it is awfully ugly. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I think these situations, they basically end up as a footnote in automotive design history where right. it's at the time seen as super polarizing. And then six years you know, down the road, it's been largely incorporated to the auto, the manufacturer's design language, or a bunch of other people have copied it. And, right. and so there's just cars driving around with the look like this. Um, right. Or you end up like a Pontiac Aztec, where you're kind of the ass of the joke for right. a long time. I mean, there's a reason I think that, you know, on Breaking Bad, he was cast as a, in a Pontiac Aztec. Right, right, right. I don't right. think like a murdering... The yeah. drug manufacturing individual is going to do Pontiac as well, and and that still shows up on pretty much everyone's you know list, top five list of ugliest cars ever made. And yeah, and it's you know that's I have heard that sentiment from people that say you know yes, it's it's very divisive right now, but we're going to see so many of these on the road that we'll just get used to it. It's possible, but, but I think ugly is ugly. And I agree. I, I think wrong. that, you know, it's interesting. We have talked about in the past, um, you know, like the bangle butt on the seven series. And right. I've said that, you know, Blame at the time right. when that came out, I, I did not like it. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, at the time it was a polarizing design. I think that I know you still really don't like that. Um, yeah. But I, I think at this point I've kind of become indifferent to it. Um, it looks okay, and I think, you know, when I see one of those 7 Series from behind, 
I think mm-hmm. like I know immediately what car it is. Um, yeah. And so the I, question in my mind is, does this end up as a as a footnote or, you know, does it is it seen as kind of crazy? And it'll be interesting because, I mean, BMW, I don't know quite where they're at with their plans for electrification. I mean, I wonder how does their design language change when you don't necessarily need massive grills on on the front of a car? And so I'm curious. Yeah. Is this highlighting where they're going in their future direction? Maybe it just ends up being kind of a silhouette I mean, on the front I of the car. Hope, I'm not, I hope I'm not. Sure. But given that given that they're putting the same grill on their new EV, yeah, um, I think it yeah, probably right? is supposed to be their cohesive design language, which is really a bummer because I think it's just it's yeah. going to take a massive, you know, not only investment financially, but they're going to have to do a lot of turnover in their in their design division to kind of back hopefully to something that I think looks pretty. Yeah. Um, I I think you and I have agreed that, you know, the BMW five series when Bangle was a part of the design, mm -hmm. it, uh, it was kind of wild, you know, I I don't think I ever really loved that design, but when we (laughs) came to the five series that's out today, I, I think a lot of people were just, kind of refreshed by that design and we're like, yes, that's right. the BMW that we remember. Yeah, um, a return to normalcy. And uh, so I guess at the end of the day, if if this thing just stays polarizing and it doesn't sell very well, maybe mm-hmm. they will, you know, rethink design. I mean, it is good to take risks. And I I guess yeah. I applaud that from that standpoint. But it's also and you know, you have to pivot at some point when it's yeah, becomes evident that this is not selling or it's not working. Right. Instead of right. being like, "Screw you guys! <laughs> you don't know right. you, you don't know well, anything about automotive design." That's my biggest issue. Is is <laughs> I between some of the comments from the designers as well as BMW's marketing recently, it is very almost adversarial to the customer. Like, you guys don't know what you want. We're <laughs> we're going to tell you what you want, and that just pisses me off. You know, particularly contrasted with something like, you know, Porsche's response to customers, you know, like I follow Andreas Pruninger on, on Twitter and Instagram. He's a, the kind of head of the GT program, uh, the GT cars at Porsche. And he, he said multiple times, like we take customer feedback and we implement it. They, that's the reason the GT3 touring exists is that customers wanted a manual option, you know, and they wanted something more discreet. So, I mean, you take that and compare that to yeah. what BMW has been doing recently, and it's just it's not a it's not a good uh, good look at BMW right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't know what it is. I mean, I I definitely think the cars look unique. You know, you look at the the BMW Eight Series, um, but I don't know. There's just something about them. And it's not quite doing it for me. I don't know if it's just yeah. it just kind of feels in ways. It's almost like a caricature. You know, like it's yeah. rehashed and just I know, the, the, made, made obscene the to get series, attention. <laughs> you're exactly right. It's it's if someone put a four series and took it to the boardwalk in Venice Beach and had one of those artists draw a caricature. Yeah, that's what you'd end up with. Is the modern? <laughs> yeah. is the new four series. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah so time I, will tell. I guess we'll see what people do if they vote with their feet, yeah, buy them exactly. or they don't. 
I don't wish ill on BMW, but I do hope people vote with their feet because it's. I would love to buy another BMW one day, but man, they just are not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. A, a a colleague that I work with said the exact same thing. He was potentially interested in a four series. Yeah, you know, as he he'd had an old old nine eleven and just thought, you know, maybe I should get a modern car. And he was thinking about it, but when the design yeah. came out, I was talking with him about it. He just said you know, hell no, it's not my cup of yeah, tea. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, let's only leave that there um, and kind of move on to the next interesting uh, item this week, uh, which was Tesla admitting that their touchscreens were only meant to last five to six years. This is a, a lot really... of Teslas that are recalled in that. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, for those of you who haven't seen the news, um, Tesla recalled, 134,951 cars, which is, when you consider how many cars they've made, is a staggering amount, um, which includes yeah. the 2012 to 2018 Model S, as well as the 2016 to 2018 Model X, over the potential for touchscreen failure. It, it's a 17-inch touchscreen that's used not only for infotainment functions, but also uh, for what the National Highway Traffic Safety Commission considers safety-critical features, including the window defroster, turn signal chimes, potentially the auto, their Tesla's autopilot driver assist system. And it can also affect the uh, rear view camera display, which is a federally mandated thing on all, all new cars. And the issue is the NVIDIA processor that the touchscreen uses, when the chip reaches lifetime, what it calls lifetime wear, it can no longer maintain file system integrity, which causes a failure of the touchscreen functions. And in a letter to the NHTSA, Tesla's vice president of legal said that, quote, given a reasonable average daily use of 1.4 cycles, the expected life would be five to six years. And for those of you who, like me, didn't know what 1.4 cycles means, it means roughly using the car 10 times a week is what Tesla considers reasonable average daily use. So you're talking... Going to and from work every day, that's the only time you use the car is considered normal. And and if you do that, your touchscreens expect to last five to six years. It's interesting. You know, I mean, my initial reaction to that was, you know, two things, I guess, really. Part of the part of the problem is, you know, we don't have buttons in cars anymore. And right. you, you can it's plus or minus thing. It feels futuristic. It's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes when you're on the highway trying to figure out, I just need to, I just want my butt to get warm from right. my heat, you know, heated seat and I can't find the button, but yeah. you know, so when you put it all on a screen, it's got to work. Like it's just always basically got to work. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to beat them up completely over, you know, the shit happens in manufacturing thing. I mean, that's fair. Right. Things go wrong. Things get recalled. But I think the issue, especially with an electric car, is people are being sold this argument that, hey, you know, you buy an electric car because guess what? You don't need to deal with oil changes. You don't have to get belts changed, spark plugs. These things are there. There's less maintenance and presumably they should last longer. And I think... When you look at the environmental impact of like manufacturing cars, you know, ideally you want to drive them into the ground and with electric cars, because you have that upfront cost and, you know, putting a battery together and, you know, simply manufacturing a car, you need that thing to last a long time. 
to kind of recoup that, you know, net savings and CO2 emissions. So right. I think the concept, if, if we're going to sell that argument and say, hey, buy these electric cars, they're going to last a really long time. You've got to put components in these cars that are going to make it to probably, I don't know, at least maybe 10 years. Right. So, I mean, the average, the average car on the road today is 10 years old. Okay. Um, and so even though average, you know, statistics are always a little tricky, but that's the average age. So you're talking about putting in a touchscreen system that is only expected to last half of the average age of the car of a car on the road today. And Great. I think this kind of speaks to a little bit of lack of um, foresight by Tesla. Um, they also reportedly have been putting in consumer electronics grade glass into their cars for their touchscreens, um, hmm. like you and I have on an iPhone, which has okay. a shorter lifespan and is less durable than automotive grade glass. Uh, and they did that as a cost saving measure. So, you know, you know, the screens themselves are not as robust either. And I think, but you, you know, you touched on this that if you're going to sell these as more environmentally friendly, you can't then also say put in essentially planned obsolescence at five or six years. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it, that's pretty disingenuous in my mind of saying, okay, we're going to take all these and, you know, and I think they've run the, they've run the numbers and you have to drive a Tesla for seven to eight years to offset. It's the impact of manufacturing it on the environment. Right. So, right. you know, based on the length of, of life of these touch screens you're not going to hit that mark even if you want to right um, and i and i have to assume that you know with like some of the updates i mean hopefully maybe the model 3 won't won't have the same issue maybe it's you know has to do with the kind of vertically oriented screen that that came out on the the s and the x which which are getting redesigned sure. but i think yeah. you know these are really expensive cars and, and cars in yeah. general have just gotten really expensive. And I think that I, I don't, I think Tesla's definitely move the bar on saying like, you buy this car and we're going to update it over time. Mm -hmm. And if you need a new computer to handle like a software update, you can get that installed. I think you're going to probably have to pay for it. But yeah. I, I do like that paradigm because if you're going to spend, you know, 60,000 or more on a car, you would you would like to find that in 4 years you don't have to go buy a new one. You know, that's the old argument like, hey, right. this this new one has Apple CarPlay, you know, wireless. And it's right, like, right. are you, are you kidding me? You want me to buy another $60,000 car so that I can not have to plug my phone in? I mean, that's insane. Right. Yeah. So hopefully, maybe for them, this is just, you know, part of the learning curve and, yeah, the, and that things will get pains. better. Yeah. I, I, I do want to try and give Tesla a little bit of benefit of doubt, despite my own prejudices about EVs. Hopefully it's something that they learn from and say, okay, we can't, we can't keep cutting corners with some of this stuff, you know, otherwise it's the goodwill right. that we've generated by being kind of the first major EV on the market is going to get wasted a little bit. Yeah. Cause I mean, if I don't know what the warranty is on those, but that failure I'm guessing is might be happening outside of the warranty. And uh, if it's, yeah. you know, kind of an all inclusive four year warranty, you know, that's probably not inexpensive to get that thing fixed. And I would, 
you know, it, it would kind of suck to <laughs> have to fork well, that out. It's the problem of having all your eggs in one basket, right? Like that's that touch screen is your way of controlling pretty much everything. everything. You know, you don't, as I mentioned, you don't have the rear view camera. You don't have, you know, your turn signal indicator, you know, like all these sorts of things. So like when you have this kind of thing that's incredibly essential to the function of the vehicle, it has to have... It's got to be robust. You have to engineer with numerous redundancies to make sure it works. And yeah. you know, it sounds like this is kind of the critical failure. Yeah. So hopefully Tesla kind of figures that out. Since they're going to be recalling this, I'm sure it's going to be at Tesla's expense, not the customers, which is good. But yeah. Um, you That's know, true. That's true. Hopefully, growing pains. So, moving on from from one Tesla item, uh, there might be another one later in the show. We'll see. Uh, but uh, something completely different: the Cadillac CTV4 and CTV5 Blackwing got announced. Yeah. Which, if you're an internal combustion engine fan, uh, should be exciting. Um, yeah. So these are the last internal combustion models and Cadillac's V-Series lineup as they're transitioning to electric power as well. The CT4V is going to have a 472 horsepower twin turbo V6, uh, some unique chassis tuning, obviously, to make it sportier, um, specially developed tires. It's going to be uh, 0 to 60 in about 3.8 seconds and start just shy of $60,000. CT5V is a, is a bit bigger. Uh, it comes with a 668 horsepower supercharged 6.2 liter V8, and both the CTV5 and CT4V uh, come with six-speed manual gearbox standard. Oh, that's cool! I didn't know that. Which is pretty awesome. Uh, and the base price of the CT5V is going to be just under eighty-five thousand, so it's a bigger car, more expensive. Yeah. Um, you can kind of think of it maybe like a make like a three and a five series BMW or something like that. Okay. Um, so. Big horsepower numbers, sport tuned suspension, um, manual gearbox standard, although I, I believe they are going to have an eight speed automatic optional. Uh, so, this is kind of Cadillac's last gas, uh, you know, internal combustion sports, sports sedan. So, it's, I mean, it's going out with a bang for sure. Yeah. I mean, those, even when you look at that, perf- the, that degree of performance for that price is pretty reasonable, I guess. You know, yeah. in, in in my perspective, and so I, I don't know. I think they look really cool. I think they look sweet. Um, yeah, having seen I, the pictures. Yeah, I I think they look really good. Um, aesthetically, the only thing that bothers me a little bit is they they have kind of a some carbon fiber exterior trim pieces and aerodynamic pieces, including like a little duckbill spoiler off the trunk. And the particularly that spoiler looks a little bit tacked on to me. It looks like something I would, yeah. you know, go down to AutoZone and buy for my my Honda Civic or something. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Aside from that, I think I love that they're doing this. I love that they're saying, you know, screw it. No one else is making manual cars. If this is going to be our last, yeah, let's do it right. Car, let's do it right. Let's let's have a manual available, you know, and standard in this case. So I love I love that. I, I love having three pedals in the sports sedan because that's in my opinion, you know, the a pure a more yeah. pure driving experience. I think the challenge is that and I've talked to some some friends about this as well, that are the type of people that would be in the market for a car like this. And at the end of the day, you know, do you buy this over an M three? Do you buy this yeah. over a E sixty three or C sixty three AMG? Right. It's hard because there's that there's that kind of um 
people that like to kind of flex their cars a little bit, you know, and you, it's a lot, I think has more cachet if you say, you know, oh yeah, I just got a new M3 where if you say, yeah. oh, I just got a new Cadillac CTV4, <laughs> people are going to be like, oh, you got yeah. a Cadillac? And then you got to, ex- if you have to explain why it's cool, yeah. it's not yeah. very cool. It's kind of like having to explain my jokes funny. Yeah. So I think there's going to be people out there, you know, that are just, you know, they're Cadillac fans. Um, the design language resonates with them. And I think for those people, maybe, maybe they've been a part of the, you know, the Cadillac legacy throughout the years. For them, it's, it's, it's almost, I wonder, going to be seen like a collector's item to have almost for posterity's sake, like, hey, huge, you know, V8 engine manual. It's got it all that you'd want in an internal combustion engine. Um, yeah. Car. And, and, and so I think that, yeah, so I was going to, I just think it's a, I think it's a great tribute. And I'm super yeah. glad they they did it, and I I think it really does kind of speak volumes when they say no, this is it. Like yeah. we're we're actually serious about this electrification thing. Right. Yeah. I, I you know I have hope that it's going to be you know the last V series sedans handled extremely well. Um. So I think you know you've got a great motor and you've got. You know, GM actually is pretty darn good at their suspension setups. You know, the most recent Corvettes, people will tell you the same thing. So yeah, that's true. I think it's promising. I I read this morning actually that the the um, head of their I think it was their V division basically said that the first hundred pre-orders for these sold out in like three minutes, and that they've already taken a thousand pre-orders for these since it was announced. You know, and so, I think there's something to be said for being told that this is it, folks. Um, right. It kind of puts people into a little bit of a frenzy. Well, there's definitely a collectability standpoint. You say, okay, this is like, this is Cadillac's last right. big V8 engine that's going to be, you know, before they go EV, I think is a, it is, it is an end of, end of an era. And those cars yeah. tend to be worth more. Uh, so Excited to see those. Excited to hear kind of how they, uh, what their views turn out like, but uh, very promising. Um, and moving on to what will probably be our last uh, last topic for the week, um, we returned to Tesla. Tesla released uh, during, a, I think it was during a um, investor call that Model S and Model X updates for uh, 2021. There will be a Plaid and Plaid S variants. The Plaid S variant will be for the Model S only. And these plaids we've heard about, this, this is what right. was sent to Nurburgring to try and set the EV lap record when uh, they were going back and forth with uh, Porsche and the Taycan. Um, so a lot of interesting new uh, information about them. The Model S plaid does 0 to 60 in 1.99 seconds. So sub 2 second 0 to 60. I think the 1.99 is a little suspicious. <laughs> uh, it's oddly specific to get under that 2 second mark. But what's probably even more impressive to me is an estimated range of 390 miles. Um, the Model X one, well, obviously their SUV, 0 to 60 in two and a half seconds. We're talking supercar, hypercar territory for an That's SUV. Insane, man. That's insane. Also, 340 miles on a charge, which is just ballistic. Yeah. Um, the Model S Plaid Plus is going to be even quicker. Yeah, it hosts 1,100 horsepower. We're, we're talking about a four-door family sedan. 
<laughs> family hauler. <laughs> yeah, 1100 horsepower. It's got a, the same three motor setup as the Model S Plaid. Zero to 60 Jesus. is going to be faster than that 1.99 seconds. And the quarter mile is going to be covered in less than nine seconds, um, which was like drag car, pro pro drag car territory back in the day. Um, <laughs> if those numbers are true, it's going to be the quickest accelerating production car ever made and probably the, most yeah. ballistic. The Plaid S range is said to be more than 520 miles. So that's a little bit fascinating to me. I don't know if they're, they must be squeezing a bigger battery pack in that thing. Because usually yeah. when those performance numbers go up, the range goes down. So it right. must yeah. must be a redesign in terms of the pack that's going in that thing. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's fascinating. So they also changed the looks a little bit. So ex- on the exterior, the front fascia's got a new lower grill and side intakes um, that help direct airflow over the brakes, which you're going to need with a you know thousand plus horsepower car. Uh, the plaid models will have wider fair, flared fenders and pricing pricing wise the model s plaid and model x plaid are going to start around 121,000 dollars while the model s plaid plus starts at 141 so you know the plaid model s and model uh, i'm sorry the plaid and plaid plus model s are really kind of taking aim at that tycon 4s yeah. turbo range i think um, yeah, well, and then and then the, the Lucid as well, the Lucid Air. Lucid Air, yeah, exactly, which, you know, I think would be definitely worth talking about on a kind of yeah. an EV-focused <laughs> episode, because um, I think that's a fascinating car as well. Um, so these are all going to be starting to be delivered in late 2021. Uh, from most people's reaction, aside from the ballistic numbers, I think the big uh, thing that caught everyone's eye was this yoke-style steering wheel. It's a little crazy. I don't know. I mean, it's very Formula One type right. steering wheel. And I, I kind of wondered to myself, is this thing going to adapt at different speeds? You know, it could get kind of clunky having to make a, you know, a significant turn and having to go like kind of hand over hand with this thing. Right. Um, um, I think, you know, so it's it's intriguing. It definitely points to their we're going to we envision these cars as mostly driving themselves in the future i think that's I think so. kind of what it's highlighting but can that i don't even i haven't looked into this yet but like are these things even going to get approved in the u.s like can you have a wheel like that on a car <laughs> i just i don't uh, know <laughs> so you know it's interesting so the there historically there have been multiple models predominantly in the 70s and 80s that had non-circular steering wheels and they some of them which actually had a, a fairly similar configuration to this and i've heard a few people speak about that have driven those those cars and they said it is not enjoyable to drive uh, a car that has this kind of abnormal steering wheel because we're all so used to yeah the muscle memory of what turning left and turning right and whatnot with a normal conventional steering wheel feels like um, so yeah. I think it's going to be a, I think might be a bust. I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll have an option for kind of, I would personally probably just prefer a normal steering wheel. If I'm, if I'm being yeah. honest, I mean, the, the I'd have to drive is, it and see if it's practical, I guess. Well, here's the problem is that they are moving a lot of functions to the steering wheel. That's so I don't I'm think right. you're really going to be able to just swap 
that's true yeah because because they're getting rid of like the turn signals they're putting all that into the steering wheel i i read somewhere that it's it's going to guess kind of what you're going to do and yeah maybe that makes sense but i'm I'm a little leery of that (laughs) yeah i think in in the autopilot mode it it, it's it kind of guesses what you're going to do based on like obstructions up you know, further yeah. up the road. And sure. I don't know, it, it kind of gets to a whole separate discussion about self-driving, you know, autonomous yeah. vehicles, which is a, is a fascinating one, but probably too lengthy for, <laughs> for today. Yeah, I agree. I'm, it's, I think it's weird. I, I think it's yet another thing that I, I think has been taken from, you know, along with the cyber truck design, it's been taken from a lot of what, you know, was shown as like a dystopian future in like an eighties movie, that's you know, true. like think about that's think true. About, well, not an eighties movie, but that steering wheel looks almost identical to like the steering wheel in the car that uh Sylvester Stallone drives in Demolition Man, Sandra Bullock's police car. <laughs> that's um, true. So I, I think they took these Tesla seems to do this where they take these design cues that are like kind of futuristic but they're futuristic when they were in like eighties and nineties movies about, you know, what life would be like in 2050. Yeah. And, so and I think, dystopian outlook. <laughs> right. Right. So I think it remains to be seen, you know, styling cues aside, I think it's absolutely fascinating that they're predicting, you know, potentially up to 500 plus miles of range um, yeah, in a car that's, that's capable of covering a quarter mile in nine seconds. I mean, that's I'm, easy. I agree. Sure. I mean, the the performance. You know, we've talked about this. It it's just nuts. I mean, was it was it Chris May? Somebody from Top Gear, like basically, is like this is American. These are American muscle cars, or what these are. Oh, James it's May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast as hell in a straight line, and that's true. But yeah. I just like wonder what is the limit. I mean, like, what is the limit of phys- physics dictates a limit, right? <laughs> like, we've got to be approaching it. And at and then, some point, yeah. I, no, you're you're 100% right. The question came up um, recently with some people that were doing 765, McLaren 765 LT reviews. Like, this is, this is probably dangerous to sell just to just yeah. the average person. And I think the same could be said for this. I mean, you've got people who you can you can not be a car person. You can you could have driven, you know, a 20-year-old Honda Accord for the last 15 years. Nothing against the Honda Accord, but not in the same performance range as this, but yeah. You could have done that, walk into a Tesla dealership or online or whatever, write the check and you get a car that is doing numbers that even five to 10 years ago would have been only seen among hyper cars or, or professional drag racing cars. Yeah. It definitely makes me nervous, man. I mean, like one of my colleagues said, nobody, nobody needs that kind of power. And it's true. We don't, I mean, the, the, the Taycan turbo is like, it approaches 700 horsepower. It's bananas. And it's the first car I've ever driven where I've said like, this is, more than enough like i don't need any more no further <laughs> right right and uh no, it's that's... not a real selling point i guess a- after a certain metric it just becomes bragging rights and that's cool like i've said before you know we don't necessarily have a super accessible drag strip around here to let it rip and right. uh with these kind of with this kind of power you know three seconds in 
four seconds in god forbid what that speedometer displays (laughs) on a back road yeah i i think you know you put your you put your foot down for you know three seconds and you're probably approaching 80 to 90 miles an hour Mm -hmm. it's interesting from a marketing standpoint too because i i don't know what the venn diagram crossover is of people that are environmentally conscious and are wanting to that's true and people that are wanting to do a quarter mile and <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't picture like a ton of people that meet both those criteria. Yeah. So, that's fascinating. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, you know, while I think it is badass to have like a soccer mom mobile that can do 2.5 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, you know, those cars showing up to a drag strip. I mean, they basically beat the pants off of, just about everything. everybody that shows up and yeah. you know for if you know if you're looking at your marketing and saying like where's our where's some good marketing it's it's youtube drag races where they're just smoking everybody you know right right um, i mean it's yeah it's if you want to be the fastest dude at the stoplight like i think as much as it pains me to say it like an ev at this point is the way to go um it is if, yep, you know it'll be Stoplight King. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see when these cars come out, uh, the reaction, because I think right now they already can give you whiplash. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, make them faster, true. it's going to be pretty scary. But um, yeah, so yeah. that's, I think, about it for, for this week. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, there's another article we, we, we thought about touching on on, on the Rivian uh, SUV, but we may hold that over to next week. But, um, anything else you can think of, buddy? No, I don't think so. Those are, uh, I think, some great and interesting topics for the week. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it was, uh, you know, always great conversation, um, a lot of fun. Uh, if you uh, want to check us out on Instagram, uh, we're the Blow Off Valve Podcast. On Instagram, we post uh, kind of when the show goes uh is uploaded every week and uh, that would be a great place to uh, put comments or, or suggestions for the show or questions for us um, that we can start addressing. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You know, until then we'll see y'all next time.